All right, welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. This is Stuart Anderson. I'm joined by Adam Watts and Greg Anderson. So it's the three of us here today. Uh, say hello, gentlemen. How's it going? Morning. <laughs> um, great story about Adam. Adam, Greg, and I all live in Salt Lake City. And Adam was introduced to, a, uh, to us through a doctor who lives here in Salt Lake and works with him and knew about him. And uh, multiple times I was introduced to Adam by people, by doctors who said, you've got to talk to this guy. You've got to talk to this guy. You've got to meet this guy. And so finally, Adam and I connected. And let me tell you a little bit about what he does. He is the current director of commercial development for Watts Enterprises, which is a fully integrated residential and commercial development and construction company here in Salt Lake City. All right, prior to joining Watts Enterprises, uh, Adam worked for a boutique development and construction shop in Salt Lake City, where he assisted in financial analysis, due diligence, entitlement, leasing and joint venture structuring on all the commercial and development deals, helping to increase assets under management, that's the name of the business, by five times in two and a half years. He's also worked for two international law firms, one in New York City and one in San Diego, advising clients on all aspects of real estate development, leasing, financing, and joint ventures. He learned his uh, bachelor's of science in economics, summa cum laude from the University of Utah, yeah, years. His master's, go use his master's in real estate from Georgetown University and his JD from the University of Virginia Law School. So we're so grateful for Adam that he'd spend the time not only preparing to be with us, but spending a few minutes uh, introducing himself to Crown Council members and teaching some of the things he's learned over the last 15 years in this world uh, of real estate that can be very beneficial. So I've heard and, and read what he's going to share and uh, it is a, a great taste of things that you can start using as soon as we're finished. So, uh, Adam, I'm going to turn the time over to you. Greg and I will pipe in here and there, but um, we're grateful to have you. So whenever you're ready, go ahead. Perfect. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm honored to to be on here. I'm, I'm honored that you would have me on here. Uh, you're right. I've, I've met uh, a lot of your members and have been impressed by them. Uh, they are all very impressed by what you guys do, uh, the opportunities that you provide, and um, so just grateful to be on here today. And hopefully, what I share uh, can help somebody out there uh, who's currently looking at real estate or thinking about real estate. Let me first um, let me first provide a disclaimer. So this is the this is the lawyer background in me. Uh, everything I'm about to share is not legal advice, uh, it's not tax advice. Any of those really, really important decisions, I would uh, highly advise you seek out your attorney, your tax person. And in addition, most of this advice has to deal with uh, pursuing uh, medical real estate or ownership. And so Maybe if this goes okay, Stuart and Greg, maybe maybe you'll have me back to talk more about, hey, what about if I'm a tenant, right, and leases? So um, thinking about this uh, webinar, I've dealt with a lot of different uh, dentists, orthodontists, endodontists, 
neurosurgeons, uh, et cetera. And in helping them figure out and think through medical real estate, either we're looking to buy a building, we want to own our own building, we want to develop a building, or we want to remodel a building. And in doing that, I've come across three, what I call diagnoses, three things that I continue to see over and over again that I would like to sort of share that to help everybody here that's listening to think through some of these issues and to solve some of them before they get too deep in, in the weeds into real estate. So the first one that I want to talk about is unnecessary exposure to your asset. So whenever you go to purchase a piece of real estate or develop a piece of property, there are a number of different ways or choices you can make in how you want to own the property. So the most common ownership structures that I see are essentially three. You have individual ownership. That's i.e. I'm Danny Dentist and I went out and I bought a condo and I'm going to have my practice in it or I own a building and it's in my own name. The second is an LLC, which is a limited liability company. And the third is an S Corp or S Corporation. So to be clear though, what we are not talking about is how you currently own your practice, either in a C Corp, a professional corporation, a professional limited liability company. We're not talking about the actual business itself, but we're talking about how you own the real estate where your business is housed. So what I see constantly is that a lot of these dentists and individuals that I talk with, they own their real estate in their own names. And I think it's because that's the default. I see this a lot, and let me give you two examples. I was just in California about a month ago, and we're looking at a deal down there. The, it's a physician, highly educated, Stanford grad, et cetera, has owned this building that he's currently in. Um, and I sat down with him and said, listen, Dr. X, tell me about how you own your, how you own your building. Well, I own my building. I said, great, what's the entity name? Well, what do you mean what's the entity name? I said, well, what do you mean that you don't have an entity? <laughs> the doctor for years has owned his building in his own name. Now you might say, well, Adam, what's the problem with that individual ownership? The issue is, is that you are putting yourself at massive exposure and risk on your personal asset side. And what does that mean? Let me give you an example. So let's assume that you have your condo or your building. Jenny Chapstick is coming to get her work done on her teeth. And 
unbeknownst to you, the property manager didn't shovel the walks too well. He didn't salt. She falls, breaks her hip. Classic slip and fall case, right? Jenny Chapstick is going to sue the property manager. Sure, didn't do his job, failed to do his job, he was negligent, fine. But Jenny's also going to sue you individually. And what's the risk? Well, the problem is, is that your personal assets are now at risk because you have no protection. You own the building, it's your name, your personal assets are now exposed. So the problem is here, Stu, is that you've now exposed your practice, your livelihood, et cetera, because you failed to own your real estate through a vehicle that gives you protection. And then, um, Adam, so potential treatment or let's say I'm in this situation now. I mean, when you, when you met with this Stanford grad, um, I assume sure. you're getting to this, but, but how uh, I'm now, let's say I'm in this problem. Uh, yeah. is, is there a way out? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I would say yes, probably. And I would advise you most of your financing documents, right? Most people who I've dealt with, when they go to finance either their building or their condo, uh, they use your standard documents, they're called Laser Pro documents. And those documents have a transfer provision in them that says, listen, if you're going to transfer this asset to somebody who owns more than 49%, then it trips a red flag and we can call the loan due. However, I would call your banker, wherever you got your financing done and say, hey, listen, I own the building in my own name. I would like to quit claim my building back to myself through an LLC or through an S Corp. What's really important is that you call them and you talk to the banker and explain the situation, right? Don't just go and do this on your own, right? But there is a way you have to talk to your banker, to get with your lawyer. Um, the process is not hard on the legal side, uh, but it's more incumbent upon you to do the research on the finance side with the banks and the lending institutions. So, <clears throat> Let's talk uh, just qu quickly, guys, about um, limited liability companies. This, uh, to give an example, this is like a blanket for your asset, right? Mm -hmm. These were first introduced in 1977 with special legislation enacted by Wyoming to protect the oil companies. They're everywhere now. Uh, many people I deal with, the, the property that we own, uh, we usually run through an LLC. And what does that do? It one protects you from personal liability, right? There's this layer of insulation. So when you get sued, your personal assets are not at risk. Two, it allows for pass-throughs of both profits and losses. And three, there's flexibility in ownership transfers. So, 
the protection then in this example, if Jenny Chapstick falls and sues you and you own your asset through an LLC, your personal assets, your cash, your home, etc., those are not at risk. It is only the assets owned by the LLC itself. The, the pass-through of profits and losses is any money that you make through your LLC goes directly through that company up to you personally, as do the losses. Your entity or LLC is not taxed. It's a pass-through. It's not like a C-Corp, which is taxed at the entity level. Then you're taxed on the income that you receive. The flexibility with LLCs is nice because um, you can transfer membership units to incoming partners. And let me give you an example so that it sticks. I'm dealing with some doctors right now. One of them recently joined the practice. The senior partner um, is not willing right now to give up ownership, but because they own or he owns this building in an LLC, he has the ability to carve out some ownership for the junior partner when the time is right to be able to siphon that off and give it to junior partner so he's more vested in the deal. So it's nice that way. An S Corp, again, is another thing I see a lot less than an LLC. It's very similar to an LLC protection from personal liability, pass-throughs. The only difference here is that uh, you, as the owner of the S-Corp, have to pay yourself a reasonable salary to, to get some of the tax benefits that come with it. Um, of course, there are legal costs to set up both. There are administrative and CPA costs to run both. Um, but in my opinion, they are well worth it to give you that protection uh, that you so need with these buildings, condos, and ownership. Adam, to you, uh, you might uh, you might talk about the advantages of having uh, separate ownership. That is, that you are able to uh, pay rent from the operating entity. Correct to the entity that owns the building, uh, which provides not only another layer of protection, but also a separate asset when you decide you wanna sell. Yeah, that's exactly right. And let me, let me give an example. I, I worked with some endodontists on a building that we co-own uh, in Murray. Um, these individuals, right? It's the same concept, Greg, you're, you're exactly right. Listen. I want to separate me individually or my business, right, that I'm doing my dental work out of from the ownership in my real estate. Why? Because as I pay rent from my dental practice to my real estate ownership, I'm basically putting money, taking it out of one pocket, and I'm putting it into another pocket. But on my dental practice, I'm able to expense that lease amount as an expense to lower my taxable income. And I'm picking it up on my landlord side as an LLC, right, through my ownership. 
And Greg is exactly right. A lot of these guys I deal with, they're older. They've been practicing for a long time. They own the building. And what they want to do is they want to parcel that out. They want to separate their practice so that they can sell their practice to an up and coming young buck and retain that real estate ownership so that basically now they're receiving what we call mailbox money, right? They're, they're now a junior guy who bought the practice is basically sending them a check every month rent. So there's, there's a lot of advantages, Greg, and you're right to having that separate and apart from your practice or you as an individual. So let's talk next, guys, about the second thing that I see a lot of, and the diagnosis that I've given it is called buying with blinders on. So I have a lot of examples of this, but let me give you really just two of them briefly to drive home the point. So met with an orthodontist about six months ago, and the guy was totally jacked about developing 20,000 square feet of medical office. I mean, he was so stoked. I mean, he had this whole plan in his head, you know, here's what it's going to look like. And we're going to have these black windows and it's just going to be so sexy. And I was excited for him. And he was going to take 5,000 square feet of the 20,000 square foot building. Fine. As I started to ask him questions, he didn't have an idea of what the total cost of the project was. He didn't have an idea of what the current interest rates were for a building. He didn't have an idea of what the total cash required would be for him to put down. He didn't have an idea on any market competition or new construction coming in and around his area. And he didn't have any idea on how this would affect his current orthodontic practice as far as rent payments were concerned. So I basically said to him, listen, this is a fantastic idea. What we really need to do is start with the basics, which is what I'm going to talk about. The second example is uh, I was out helping a, a client of ours try to find a new facility to lease, giving them ideas. And when I called the landlord who was a doctor, the three-story building was in construction. And I asked, fantastic, what can you tell me about the building? What is the rent that you're going to be charging? Well, I don't know. Well, how much money are you going to give me to build out my space? I don't know. Yet he had already signed on the dotted line for millions of dollars of debt and years and years of payments, but hadn't stopped to do the basic due diligence. So let me just put this, guys, into your world. You would never, ever do this in your dental practice. 
with one of your patients, right? Ever. I mean, the risk is too high. In fact, you have a process and a procedure to understand the complexities that you're going to perform on each and every single patient, right? From the moment I walk in to your office, you hand me a form to fill out. What are your allergies, Adam? What medicines have you taken? Uh, what other disclosures can you tell us? And then I go into the back room, I meet with the hygienist, and then he or she asks me a number of follow-up questions. And then, obviously, I go and I get an x-ray done so they can look at my teeth. And any other tests that the hygienist or you as the dentist deem reasonable. Now, Stuart, why do you think these guys do this? Um, I mean, the, the systems that we've created over the years are one for not, not only a great experience for their patients, but, you know, protection, um, the culture of the practice. I mean, there's lots, there's lots of reasons why these systems are in place, but, um, yeah, I don't know. You, you tell me, I mean, what, what do we do to take these blinders off? I mean, where do these guys start? Yeah. It's all about process and procedure, Right. You're doing that so, in my opinion, you can figure out what is, what is the boundaries here? What's the box that I'm playing in and what do I need to look out for? So there's a quick and dirty way, and I went through this with that orthodontist I was telling you about. There's a quick and dirty way to get out a sense of the scope of the project you're dealing with, right? Either to toss it in the garbage or to dig deeper and perform more research. It's called back of the envelope. And it's supposed to conjure up, right, this major real estate developer who's scribbling down notes and doing quick calculations to see if the deal works. So there's typically 10 things that I look for and that you should look for when you're thinking about buying or developing a new building. One, what is the total building square footage that I need? Two, what is the total land size that I need? Three, what is the land price? Four, what are my construction costs? Both hard, i.e. The, the, the timber, the framing, the concrete, and soft costs, the architect, the lawyer, the engineer. Five, how much loan can I get relative to my cost of the building? Six, what's the current interest rate? Seven, term of the loan. Eight, amortization. Nine, mortgage payment. And then 10, what's going to be my required rent to make this thing pencil? So I wanted to put this into an example so that uh, people listening could go back and look at this so that they could make it concrete in their minds. So let's just walk through a quick example, guys, on a 10,000 square foot building, right? We believe that we, I'm Danny Dentist, and I'm going to own 5,000 square feet of this 10,000 square foot building. 10,000 square feet, land size, you're gonna be about three quarters of an acre, okay? Let's assume for round numbers that the land price is half a million bucks. And we typically want to look at, well, what is my cost per square foot on the land? 
My 500,000 divided by my three quarters acre is $15 basically per square foot. Estimated construction costs, right? Hard and soft, $230 a square foot or 2.3 million. We now know that our total universe here, the total project cost is $2.8 million. Great, I have a cost. Typically banks will require that you put down in a traditional sense, 20% of the total cost. So in this scenario, 2.8 million bucks is my total project cost. I'm going to have to put up $560,000 of my own money. So that's red flag number one. Do I have 560,000 bucks? Maybe, maybe not. That leaves 2.24 million in your loan. Dealing with commercial real estate, the longest that I've seen banks go is 10 years. That's a 10 year term, right? They're not gonna go 30 years. And current interest rates are about 525 to 5.35%. Very important to know. Your amortization rate on this example is 25 years. Banks on commercial real estate will not loan you like a house 30 years. They won't do it. You can do 25, you can do 20, you can do 15. So now that I have that universe, I know what I'm looking for and I can get that information and wrap my arms around it. I can calculate that if I have my debt at 2.24 million at 5.35%, I know that my mortgage payment is going to be $13,555.63. That is huge. We have to know what the debt payment's going to be before we can step off the cliff and go in and develop and buy a new building. Here's the most important point because it directly affects the dental practice. How much rent am I going to have to pay in order to satisfy that monthly mortgage payment? Well, if I have to take 13,555, I divide it by my total square footage, that's one, dollar and 35 cents a month times 12, which gives me a base rent of $16.26. I know now as a landlord that I cannot accept rent any less than $16.26 for any tenants coming into my building. However, this is really important. Banks will require you to satisfy your debt, not only 100%, so 16.26, but they wanna see a 25% kicker over and above that payment. It's called a debt service coverage ratio. That means you have to add 25% to that base rent. Now you know that your base rent to satisfy the bank is going to be 20 bucks and some change. If you're going to own half and lease half the building as Danny Dentist, you now know that your per month nut 
that you're going to have to crack is 8,466 bucks. This is not super complex. It's more dialing in and getting your arms around the information. And I can't tell you how many times that this is not done, guys. And how many times I see people make mistakes because they haven't done this simple uh, uh, diligence, right? Um, and then, and then, and then, what, Adam? What do you see? I mean, you're 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 talking about a doctor who is now surprised by what needs to be accomplished or given each month. Is that what is that what you're saying? Is that what you've seen? Yeah, what I've seen is is one when I tell them, listen, guys. You have to come out of pocket five hundred and sixty thousand bucks. They're like totally shocked. Well, what do you mean? Well, banks are going to require typically twenty percent down of your total cost. Okay, well, and again, we can get into some discussions of you know your SBA five hundred four loans. And yes, banks are willing to lend you ninety percent. They're actually even willing to lend you a hundred percent, but it comes with heavy, heavy strings attached. So what I'm saying is, is they're surprised that one, I've got to come out of pocket so much. And two, I'm surprised that I have to pay that much money in rent payment. I can't satisfy that, right? My practice can't support 8,400 bucks a month. Well, it's, it's good that we know that now, right? We know the parameters of what we're dealing with. So either we have to go and develop a smaller building or we have to stay where we're at and think about other opportunities uh, and mm -hmm. variables, right? It's, it's really lining out, can we make this work given our current financial situation? And um, I see it all the time where it hasn't been thought through yet, right? Um, let me quickly talk about the third one. I love this one. So I call this, and I'm not trying to be derogatory, I call this the He-Man disease. So I'm sure Stu will, will remember this, but um, you know, growing up as a kid, my brothers and I used to watch this cartoon called He-Man. Do you remember this, Stu, by the way? Oh man, dude, Skeletor, He-Man, I had it all. I, I had all the toys. Oh, unbelievable, right? So <laughs> He-Man was just this mythical figure. And it was amazing because here's this, here's this normal guy, seemingly normal, right? Prince Adam, he's totally jacked. He's ripped, right? He's handsome. But he's endowed with this power from the sorceress of Castle Grayskull. And he can transform into He-Man. And he does it. And, and if you've seen it, you'll remember. He does it. He raises his sword above his head. And he says, by the power of Grayskull, and then all of a sudden, he has the power, right? He transforms into the most powerful man in the universe. And his timid green tiger, you know, would change into battle cat, right? The whole thing. So <laughs> the only thing he had to do to get these amazing powers would just raise a sword in the air, speak a few simple words, and boom. Right, he's now He-Man, and he's the most powerful man in the universe. Why do I bring this up? I bring it up because having consulted with 
a lot of these guys, guys that are listening, um, dental reps, colleagues of mine, I think there's this perception that real estate is easy. That I can just go out there and make money. I can do it myself. After having read a book, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Tony Robbins, uh, you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill or whatever, um, that somewhat normal, charming, handsome, muscular individuals, they have the power now and boom, all of a sudden you're a real estate mogul and you want to develop three different medical offices and you're off to the races. In my opinion, real estate isn't just something that you pick up on the side, right? There are so many decisions to be made, so many details to be planned for and thought about that failing to pay attention can at a minimum cause, you know, your investment to underperform. And in certain circumstances, it can spell financial disaster for you as a dentist. Um, so I wanted to talk very high level, again, because the misconception that I see and when I talk to these guys is that real estate is easy. I can do this, uh, right? One, you don't have the time. You do not have the time. And I see this over and over again. Time kills deals. Flawed understanding of deals kills deals. And so I wanted to give the listeners just some food for thought, right? Before again, you become He-Man and you jump off the cliff. Let's look at some of the things that are really involved in real estate. And this uh, is more revolves around development. But let's just, let's just run through some of these real quick, Sue and Greg. And I think we'll be insightful. Um, land. Are you going to finance it? Are you going to buy? Is it buildable, right? How much to pay for land? What's the market? Are you overpaying? Are you underpaying? Are you getting a deal, right? The purchase agreement. What are the due diligence timelines? Are you going to trip those? How much earnest money do I have to put up? Do you have that cash? What about the zoning? What are the setbacks, right? How many parking stalls do you need to satisfy the jurisdiction? What about the jurisdiction? Is it a permitted use for your building or is it a conditional use for your building? Those matter. Does it go through the administrative level, planning commission, city council? All of that matters. What about the architecture? Can you actually build your really cool modern stucco building that's got 90% glass? Maybe, maybe not. What about the environmental? Is your land dirty or is it clean? I've dealt with both and the dirty land is terrible. <laughs> oh, it's a nightmare. Soil studies, how does that affect your construction? What about title issues? Does the person that is claiming to own the property actually own the property? How do I know that? Are there easements or liens? They're gonna affect you from building your building where you wanna build it. What about an Alta survey, right? The banks are going to require one. Financing. How much does the building cash flow? Can you satisfy the debt? Can you make it work so you don't trip bank covenants? What about points, right? Money costs money. 
How much am I paying? Guarantees. I'm going to have to give a guarantee when the building's done that if something happens, guess what? It's all on me. They come after me. Is that fully to you or do you have a limited guarantee? Appraisal. I see this all the time, guys. Appraisal. What happens if the building doesn't appraise for the amount of money you put into it? I've seen this in two situations. The appraisal came back $175,000 less than what the total cost was. So you know what happened? They went back to the doctor and said, you need to put up another 175,000 bucks in cash or else we're not going to do the deal. Ownership, right? What kind of entity structure? We talked about that. Construction, is it a fixed fee? Is it cost plus 10? How do we know? How do we know if we're getting change ordered to death? What about your lease? Right? Is it a triple net lease? Is it a full service gross lease? Those are different distinctions that we can talk about later. Right? How much lease are you targeting? Who are you targeting? What's your competition? How are you paying for cost overruns? Who's doing the depreciation and cost segregation study at the end of your building? And then who's going to run and manage your building once it's done? I bring all this up. Obviously, it's an overwhelming list. And I do it on purpose because the treatment for the He-Man disease is to hire the masters of the universe. Teamwork makes the dream work. You need to put into place, in my opinion, the appropriate team, right, in order to ensure a successful project from the appropriate brokers to the attorneys, to consultants, to engineers, to developers, to dental reps, to architects, I mean, all the way down, right? Don't be he-man is, is my advice. I don't think anybody that's listening would ever do a do-it-yourself dental practice, right? Think about that. I'm going to be the receptionist, then I'm going to be the secretary, then I'm going to be the hygienist, and then I'm going to be the clinician, right? Could you do it? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, right? But it's going to have a massive effect on the probability or on the uh, profitability of your practice. So why do that on the real estate side? Um, look, the guys and 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 the, the men and women listening have spent the better part of their lives training to do dental work, right? They've spent numerous years in school, 10 years or so, to figure out how to help guys like me and my family with their teeth, right? We need you. I have to have a dentist. You've amassed in a massive amount of knowledge, skill, and know-how to put yourselves in a position to succeed that most people in the country really would die to be in. If you think about it, the ADA, the American Dental Association, I did a little research on this and my mind was blown. According to the American Dental Association guys, as of 2018, there were only 199,486 dentists working in dentistry in the United States. I think about that. That equates to only 61 dentists 
per 100,000 of US population. That's insane. I mean, the position that you're in to create that wealth, to do what you do, to continue to generate profit in your practice, I think is really an enviable position to be in. The treatment here for the He-Man disease, in my opinion, is to continue to focus on that machine that is generating the dollars and to hire that dream team to help you right, achieve that medical real estate that you're wanting. I think Prince Adam, right? He's in all that bad, right, Stu? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, if you're, if, Adam, if, if you're going to describe to doctors uh, and, and tell people what, like, let's say, um, uh, a doctor who's in a situation where he needs to either um, get out of the situation he's in or he wants to uh, pursue a, a real estate option. Um, what, what would you do? But I mean, I, I wanted to set you up here as a, in, in a way to educate and teach, but um, on a day-to-day -day basis, talk about some of the projects that you're working on that are, that kind of inspired me to connect. I mean, these are the things that you told me about uh, here in Salt Lake that I said, the Crown Council has to know about uh, what's going on here. So tell, tell me about what you do day to day. Yeah, uh, sure. And just describe that. Absolutely. So day to day, um, I focus on, on, on the commercial development side of our company. And what I seek out is medical real estate opportunities, whether it's in conjunction with uh, you know, dentists, doctors, orthodontists, et cetera, and helping either develop and build those facilities for these individuals, right? We are a one-stop shop, uh, fully integrated, where we're able to do a lot of, of the things that I've been describing. Uh, and we also partner with these guys as well in some certain circumstances. And okay. our whole motto, guys, is let us do what we do best so that you can do what you do best, which is, you know, practicing uh, in, in your practice, right? Your dental work. Um, so that's really what I'm focused on, Stu, is, is trying to find those opportunities and, and to create that medical real estate where we can be successful and help our clients be successful, right? Achieve that ownership dream. Right. Um, I'd love to talk to Adam more about uh, renting versus leasing versus owning, but um, we've kind of moved on past the time when 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 we will we'll save that for another time, Adam, as well as as if we get questions moving forward about owning a practice and owning space. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop. Greg, any questions for Adam or things that you want to know? Well, a lot of things I'd like to know, but I, I, you know, I mean, in summary, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think Adam's point is good, which is when in doubt, ask somebody that's done it before. Um, you know, I don't want to be the first patient uh, when um, when a dentist is doing a root canal. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the message is pretty clear. If you are in doubt, find someone that's done it before, who's got the experience, and my experience from having developed real estate for a good many years is that uh, you will save more money 
by asking somebody who has done it right than uh, you will trying to do self brain surgery. Ooh, I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put that in the book. That was a really good quote. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Very good. All right, Adam. Uh, for those listening and not watching, can you put that screen back up so I can at least just say uh, great. So Adam's email is Adam at Watts W A T T S Living dot com. So if you're not watching uh, this little slide that Adam has, uh, you can email him there. Uh, as well as the website, which is wattsliving.com. And look at this, cell phone at 801-755-9504 uh, with questions for Adam about moving forward. And, and uh, if he can help, I, I know he'd be grateful and glad to do so. So thank you, Adam. Thanks, guys, for having Thanks, me on. Thanks, Adam. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot.